Now back to On the Block with Strick and Austin on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. That's right. We're back here on the block. Off and rolling here on a Wednesday. We go to the Allo VIP line. Uh, for 20 years, Allo has been disrupting the telecom game, providing meaningful connections, supporting businesses, and future-proofing communities. Switch to a reliable and buffer-free provider today at allofiber.com or call 402-480-6550. On the Allo Fiber hotline, we bring in Evan Bland of the Omaha World Herald. Evan, happy College World Series week. How's it going? Happy College World Series week. Yeah, the sun's out, the weather's nice, and the baseballs are about to fly. It's all good. That it is. Uh, plenty of rain in the forecast because we couldn't have a College World Series without at least some of that getting interrupted. Uh, what are your thoughts on uh, the, the two brackets, sir? We'll start with the Oral Roberts, TCU, and Virginia, Florida side first. What do you make of those four teams? Uh, I mean, I think you have a little bit of everything. I mean, you have if you if you're looking for, like, high-end future major league talent um you know you have florida with it with a guy like jack caglione who leads the nation in home runs they have uh you know their entire rotation can touch like 97 98 on the radar gun you've got a team like virginia that's maybe one of the most uh, balanced and deeper teams in the field that's been here uh, in omaha a couple of years ago and then you've got if you're if you're uh you know, looking for the underdog instead, you've got under uh, Oral Roberts, which is the four seed, um, first one back in the CWS field since Stony Brook in 2012. Um, and you've got TCU, which sort of went under the radar a little bit as a two seed out of the Big 12. Uh, and, and they have some really fun pieces in terms of their starters and some of their best hitters as well. So, uh, you know, the first one will be really interesting because Oral Roberts or TCU is going to start 1-0. and in Omaha, and then, you know, you're in a really interesting spot in, in that winner's bracket game, and, and I think on the other side, Virginia and Florida have been playing about as well as, uh, you know, anybody in the field. Um, Virginia had to, to scrap back and win two elimination games against Duke and the Supers last weekend. Florida had to uh, come through the, the elimination side in its own regional, so those are two teams that were on the brink, and, um, I mean, they all seem really balanced on paper. should be a lot of fun. The other side of the bracket is star power, star power, star power, and star power. Four preseason top ten teams, Wake Forest and Stanford, LSU and Tennessee. Is is that the side of the bracket you think the champion comes from just because of where those teams were ranked in the preseason and their talent? Uh, I mean, you could certainly make that case pretty pretty easily. I mean, LSU is the preseason number one. They're very likely to have if not the top two picks in the major league draft next month, two of the top three in Dylan Cruz, the outfielder and Paul Skeens, who's who could probably pitch in a major league baseball game today if he had to, and probably be able to hold his own. So, I mean, they've got the top end star power for sure. Wake forest sort of assumed that number one mantle midway through the season. And they've really done nothing to, to change anybody's mind about that. I mean, they've just dominated in the NCAA tournament to this point, uh, offensively pitching wise, they seem like they're a complete team and they're looking to break that streak of number one overall seeds winning the thing. I think you got to go back to Miami in 99, the first season that the tournament expanded to 64 teams that uh, a team was seeded one and went the distance. So we'll see if wake, um, you know, has any maybe bright eyes as it, as it 
makes its first appearance in Omaha since 1955. I think that's maybe the only thing that can hold them back at this point. Uh, you know, and, and Stanford had, they were part of probably the craziest super regional win mm-hmm. of the weekend, undoubtedly, um, when, when Texas lost a ball in the twilight and they were able to walk that thing off on Monday night. And then Tennessee, I think they're kind of the post-hype sleepers of the field where, you know, a year ago they were the number one overall national seed and they uh, didn't make Omaha. They lost in the Supers to Notre Dame, and I think they've been uh, chapped by that in the last year. So that's a, another fan base that's going to be excited to be back into Omaha. And um, I, I think we're going to know from from just the sheer number of people and the, the uh, decibel level at these games when Tennessee and LSU are playing Saturday night. As I look at the field, Evan, it looks like a pretty likable bunch of teams. I find it hard to pick out a villain, but also equally hard to pick out, you know, a fan favorite that the Omaha neutral fans will grab onto. Do you have any leans either way for any of those teams? Well, you know, I mean, typically Omaha locals tend to back the underdog, and so there is a clear one in Oral Roberts. I mean, they have, they're they're a great story out of the Summit League, obviously the same league that that Omaha plays in the Mavs. And so they're maybe a little bit familiar with them, but uh, I think that's a fun story. Their, their coach, Ryan Fulmar is a, was a player in the college world series. He was a catcher at Oklahoma state. And I think it was 1996. He was, you know, as, as recently as like 20 years ago was a, a color voice on the Oklahoma state baseball radio broadcasts. So that's a pretty cool story and, and how far they've come. So that's, I think that's a pretty easy one, but um, you know, LSU is going to have a major backing. That that fan base is uh, is in Omaha every year anyway. I mean, you can go mm-hmm. into a parking lot and see them tailgating even when the Tigers aren't there, and they haven't been here since 2017. So I think uh, you know you're you're certainly going to hear a level of support from them. You know, in terms of a villain, I I could see Tennessee maybe assuming that role at some point. They probably are the most brash of the bunch i mean their their coach tony vitello's a um you know a fiery guy he wears his emotions on his sleeve and the players are the same way i mean chase burns one of their relievers the other night hits 102 on the radar gun against southern myths and uh you know essentially tap danced off the mound um firing up his guys so you know i think there's some potential there and that's good for the game too but i, I mean overall like you said it's star power it's teams that uh, won a lot of games in the regular season, and you know ultimately, I think what what it could come down to is who's the deepest because there's so much high end talent on all of these squads. What does it look like when you get to that, you know, fourth game in six days, um, and, and you need a starter? You know, who has the depth at that point? Who can slug their way to a victory? Um, and I think ultimately that might make the difference in who ends up in that title series. I believe you and Sam previewed the College World Series recently, didn't you? Yes. Yep. Yeah, so go check that out. I won't spoil your picks. I won't steal that from you. So if you want Evan's picks, go check that out uh, on the World Herald. Um, Also on the World Herald, Evan, you wrote about Rob Childress being named Nebraska's next pitching coach. That's, I think, a good step in the right direction for Nebraska, kind of a no-brainer in-house move. Uh, What can you tell us, though, about the other guy that's new to the staff officially, and Mike Sirianni from Wichita State? Yeah, sort of uh, gets lost a little bit in the in the Rob Childress news, which is certainly significant in its own right. But yeah, I mean, uh, Mike Sirianni had a chance to meet him today uh, as part of his media availability at, uh, at Haymarket, and you know, just a really personable guy. Uh, spent the last few seasons as a, an assistant and recruiting coordinator at Wichita State. 
They've they've subsequently had a, a couple of their former commits uh, on the pitching side commit to Nebraska, and this is a guy even just talking with him for a few minutes uh, who loves recruiting, loves getting on the road, loves to uh, build those connections, identify talent. They're looking for speed. They're looking for power, um, versatility. It's similar to what Nebraska looked at before, but this is a guy who um, just likes to beat the bushes and and and, and find those guys. Um, I thought he had a it was kind of funny hearing him talk about how Will Bolt has been sort of a uh, maybe a mentor to him or someone he's looked up to in the industry. And, and over the years, he's found himself re- crossing paths with Will, with Will Bolt when they're recruiting the same players. Mm-hmm. So he, I, I think his arrival in Nebraska was really uh, based strongly on the staff that's here w- with Will Bolt and Rob Childress and Lance Harvell um, and, and the chance to get after it in that regard. But a lot of the, uh, duties that maybe he'll have down the road are, are still yet to be determined. I mean, he's going to coach uh, infielders, work with hitters, but in terms of, of some of the other day-to-day stuff that he'll have going forward, um, he's, he's still working that out because they're so locked in on recruiting and building out the rest of this class for the 2024 20, team next year. So um, by all accounts, somebody who's uh, really big on talent acquisition, who himself uh, was a pretty decent baseball player. He played at uh, Creighton and Arkansas State mm. back in the mid-2000s. And um, so, yeah, Nebraska was able to add that third-paid assistant, and they didn't really waste any time in identifying a guy like Mike Sirianni, whose brother, Jay Sirianni, uh, used to play at Nebraska back in the late 90s, too. Maybe you could get a read on this. Maybe you couldn't. Maybe we just have to trust Will Bolt on this. But Mike Sirianni is all in on Nebraska, right, not some sort of Creighton double agent? <laughs> well, that would they'd be playing the long game on that one, probably. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, the other thing I want to get your thoughts on, Evan, is NBA-related. The Spurs sent people overseas uh, to you know check in on Victor Wembanyama, get some more information on him. Seems like that's you know where the Spurs are headed with the number one pick, which is good. Are there any players or types of players that you want to see San Antonio, um, you know, amplify Victor Wembanyama with? Well, I think, I mean, that's part of what makes it such a no-brainer uh, addition or, or, or to draft him number one overall. It's not just because he's a generational talent and seven-five and can do everything, but because like the Spurs actually have had uh, guys on their roster who are going to be better complementary pieces, guys who are, uh, you know, who can hit the three, who can defend on the wing, and they, what they've lacked is that guy in the middle, that rim presence somebody who can uh, stretch the floor from that four or five position. And by all accounts, that's what Victor Wembanyama can do. Uh, you know, maybe not fully, fully uh, realizing his potential in his rookie year, but I think that's where you start. And so it's a lot easier to find a lot of those complementary pieces on the perimeter when you've got your big man and, and star player on the inside. So uh, there's probably a little bit of retooling to be done. Maybe you still want another shooter or, uh, defensive specialist or something like that, but uh, you know those players are, are a lot easier to come by and a lot more affordable, quite honestly, than what uh, you know the number one overall pick is going to be. So uh, to me, next year is about getting him settled into the league, starting to figure out what system you want, and you get a clearer sense of, of how you're going to build around that moving forward as the Spurs, uh, you know, improbably, um, you know, have another franchise big man to build around moving forward. A guy that came up uh, between Strick and I last segment was Dennis Rodman, who spent a couple of years in San Antonio. Would you take yeah. another Dennis Rodman type around Wembenyama? 
Sure. Oh, yeah. I mean, everyone remembers Dennis from his time with the Bulls and, and the hair and the tattoos and everything, mm-hmm. but uh, he was uh, the same guy who did all the dirty work in San Antonio, wasn't afraid to scrap for rebounds, Didn't wasn't always looking for a shot, in fact, was, was actively deferring to his teammates, and so... Yeah, I mean, a, a guy like that on every team who's sort of the glue guy, the enforcer, um, you know, the, the guy who has the backs of his teammates. Like, the, those guys are extremely valuable, even if it doesn't always show up in the stat sheet. So, yeah, give me, uh, you know, mid-'90s Dennis Rodman uh, on these Spurs any day. I think you have the, the hair part of that figured out with Jeremy Sohan. Like, he's the <laughs> way that dude dyes his hair, he's at least got that little bit of worm in him. That's true. Yeah, I mean, you, you got to have a little bit of that, like, don't care, like, you do you sort of thing, and that just translates out into everything else. So, yeah, I mean, a little bit of that attitude. You still got Pop there as the coach who, uh, you know, is, is probably one of the few coaches in the league that just instantly demands your respect because of what he's done and who he's coached. And, um, you know, I still think, like, when you talk about building uh, a culture around Victor Wimbanyama, I mean, how how great is it that on speed dial you can call Tim Duncan, who was a number one overall pick himself in '97, or you can call Tony Parker, who came over from mm-hmm. France, just you know where Victor is now, and and you have those guys as resources. I mean, it's just it it sets them up so well for success. I mean, it doesn't guarantee anything, but man, it it feels like that there couldn't have better been a better landing spot than um, San Antonio. He's Evan Bland with us here on the Allo VIP land. Evan, appreciate your time as always. Enjoy the College World Series. We'll uh, look forward to reading your coverage and talking again next week. Sounds great, Austin. Thanks. Evan was with us on the Allo VIP line. Allo has been creating, connecting, and serving gigabit communities for 20 years. Lincoln, say Allo to the power of fiber and take your internet, TV, and phone to the next level with Allo Fiber. You can switch uh, today at allofiber.com or call 402 480 We'll take a break here. We'll welcome Strick back into the studio. He's a busy man, lots going on. He let me handle Evan. So we'll take a break, bring Strick back, wrap up Hour 1 on the block next.